Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a strange thing because as good as the Rays' season has been to this point, they are not in first place in any way, shape, or form. They were percentage points behind the Orioles. Now they are, I guess, officially at least one game and percentage points behind them. They lose 4-3 to three in 10 innings at the drop. And, you know, Steve, I mean, Tyler Glass now, there's so many positives with their starting pitching right now, and I thought for the most part they pitched well, even in the bullpen for that matter. But just a couple of lapses defensively, um, you know, letting a guy on a on a sure double run to third, and they later scored it a triple, just kind of lollygagging out in the outfield. Randy Rosarina, who's lost at the plate, um, and just the inability to get the big hit. Man, they were two for fourteen again with runners in scoring position. That's been their problem. It's the offense, the offense, the offense. As much yeah. as we've looked at this pitching staff and said they don't have swing and miss stuff in the back end, they don't have enough starters, they don't have enough bullpen guys. Yeah, the pitching's not the issue. Right now, it is the hitting, and they are lost. Yeah, and Randy Rosarina seems to be the biggest one who's lost at the plate right now. Uh, it's almost like he's guessing at the pitches and and predetermining what he's going to do before he swings. Yep, which is yep. never a good thing for a hitter. No, um, the the outfield play, the the lazy throw into third, and, mm-hmm. and I'll criticize him, and and he's wrong there. But Taylor Walls also is standing out in the middle of the dirt, not going to third base at that point either. I mean, where That's was he going to throw it to? I mean, it's yeah. it's mental lapses all over the field, and, and the Orioles were taking advantage of it like the Rays traditionally take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. Uh, the Orioles are a good team, and, and we said this, you know, when the series started, it played them enough now, that if you don't get them in seven innings, you're going to have a tough time winning. I mean, they they doubled up, um, you know, with, uh, with Bautista, uh, who who came in you know in the ninth and then pitched uh, pitched in the tenth as well, and and they're just really tough in that bullpen. Um, you're just not going to get many chances. I thought, look, they were down three to one. Yandy Diaz got a huge hit, a double, and that was their chance right there to take the lead. And then they have a you know a line drive double play out um, where I don't I don't know where Diaz was going per se unless he was running on the pitch. I don't know, but he got doubled off second on a line drive to the second baseman. That shouldn't happen either. You want to make sure that ball goes through. But, um, you know, they did a nice job getting back into the game. But it's just, you know, you're not going to win a lot of games with three runs. And this has been their deal. So now they've lost uh, four in a row. And what, six out of the last seven? Well, it's five in a row. Was it five in a row now? Yes, yeah. because they, got, they lost the last game in Kansas City. They swept right. in Texas. And now it's yeah. yours. They got three more against the Orioles, which mm-hmm. you, know, you win all three of those. You're now a game back up in the division. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not over. You want to at least split with them, but you would like to have gotten game one. And their pitching is set up. I mean, um, you know, they've got, they've got their best going these next couple days, so they'll, they'll be okay as far as how that's set up. But um, this Baltimore team's scrappy, man. They put a lot of balls in play. Um, you know, they have good at-bats. And I, I think, you know, the quality of at-bats that the Rays are having right now, even though they're getting some of their hits, but especially with men on base, they're they're just not doing – the same 
kind of grinding at the plate that they did earlier in the year. I mean, they didn't swing at bad pitches. You know, they got head and counts. Randy is lost. You're right. He He's almost predetermining what he's going to swing at and not swing at. You know, four more strikeouts and a double play. So he counted for five outs uh, in that game. Um, had a runner thrown out at the plate. Randy did. And then the ball gets popped loose, uh, you know, from the catcher's glove. I mean, stuff like that mm-hmm. in a tight game. You, you know, those those are the plays that get you beat. But they're in a funk right now a little bit. And um, you know, they're getting some hits. They're just not scoring any runs. And it's about scoring runs right now. So we'll see what the Rays can do. They still got three games left in this series. A nice crowd at the Trop. Um, I want to tell you guys how to save money on your electric bill. We're going to get to the mailbag here in just a second. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems now for 13 years. There's a lot of these fly-by-night companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty, plus with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances, that's what they call the May difference. If you visit the Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-the-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. They will customize it to your needs. And they don't use subcontractors. So you know who is doing the job. Those are all Billy May's guys up there. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances through every storm season. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, we got some mailback questions. I'm sure there's some on the Rays. Let's get started. We'll start with Rootin' for UF, who tweeted, The Rays will be how many games ahead or behind of the Orioles on Monday morning? Mm. You know, I think they're going to split this series. I... I Four-game series are, are, are kind of rough to, to dominate in the first place. Uh, to win three out of four, especially on the road, is tough. Um, they've been playing pretty well at the Trop, and like I said, they got their pitching set up pretty well. I I think they're going to probably win half of these games. So I think they'll be tied. Tied, you know, I suppose it could be a game out or so. But, you know, do I see them winning three in a row? No, I don't. I think, I think Baltimore's too tough, and especially – when you talk about their bullpen, you know, you got to get them, you got to get them early, and that's not what the Rays are doing of late. So my guess is they split with Baltimore, and at this point, having dropped game one, you almost take that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, love to win three in a row, but I think you, you just don't want to lose ground, um, you know, in a home series right now. Well, and, and we were discussing before the, the podcast as well, the Rays are now 100 games into the season, 60 and 40. That's a pace for only 97 wins. That's shocking. That's really shocking. When we were talking um, a few weeks ago, you know, about them being on pace to win well over 100. Um, and no one thought they could maintain, you know, the 750 winning percentage or whatever it was early in the season or 1,000 after 14 games. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they won more games, what, a couple of years ago. They won 100, I believe. Yes. Um and, it's a six seventeen winning percentage they had in twenty twenty one. Yeah, so it'll be tough to duplicate that. I mean, you know, going a good win streak here. You know, win win ten out of twelve or thirteen, and you're right back in it. But yeah, for right now, it's it's startling. I mean, this is the thing. Like, it was such a star kissed beginning of the year, and they just have not played well for a pretty good stretch now. Going into the All Star break, coming out of the All Star break, um, really for the last two months. Um, 
you know, there are 500 or, or below teams. So um, this is not something that's just happened overnight. They've started to come back to earth a while ago. All right, we got lots of reaction on our podcast yesterday, mm-hmm. and I'll go through a couple of those. Ryan had tweeted. He says, you're coming around, Rick. Even the Marlins went all in and raised payroll to get two World Series rings. We're the third go. lowest in MLB and looking for answers in the bargain bin. If you refuse to spend money, give up some t- prospects and go for it. Raise window only half open if you never go all in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm i not going to say you do that every year, obviously, but I think two things. One, this is a special year, and and two, um, it's a generational player. And like, like I said, you know, the Angels ultimately will decide what Shohei Otani's fate is going to be based on the package of prospects and, and, and whatnot that they get back from some club if they decide to move them. But um, can you imagine, again, you know, he would help them on the mound and at the plate, um, you know, number one power guy in, in the American League. I mean, all of that is huge. Um, and, and, and more than that, you know, right about now, okay, when – you're getting into the dog days of summer a little bit. You're past the all-star break. You've played 100 games. You still have 60 left. Um, that's a, still a long stretch. You know, August is a grind. When you get to September, you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But this team needs a little spark. They need a little infusion of something. They need, need some energy. And a move like that, if I were going to do it, and I was going to do it for anybody, it would be the guy that's, you know, arguably one of the greatest players of all time. So um, I have come around. I don't, you know, the Marlins, when they bought their two World Series, I was okay with it. I'm sure they wouldn't give those trophies back. The, you know, neither would the Tampa Bay Bucks or anybody else. But, you know, this this would be the one player to do it, the one time to do it, the year to do it. And uh, having said all that, they probably won't do it. But, uh, yeah, I, I think... And and like I said, it's about relevancy. It's about, you know, having the eyeballs on you. And we, you talked about this the other day. Like, was it Sunday Night Baseball is the Yankees and the Red Sox or something like that? No, this week know, Sunday Night Baseball is the Mets-Red Sox. Mets-Red Sox, okay. Yes, not the two best teams in the American League. Yeah, and the Mets and the Mets are terrible. I mean, so are the Red Sox. Well, the Red Sox aren't terrible, but they're not good. Right. So rather than have, you know, two first place teams battling it out in the best division in baseball, um, you can't get the bounce market share wise as New York and, and Boston will give the network. So um but if Shohei Otani showed up, yeah, I think you'd see a lot of those race series. So I don't know. I like I said, it, it I get you don't want to give away the farm and all of that. Um I don't think you'd regret I, I there's part of me, and I think Mono wrote this. I, I don't think you'd regret getting him, mm-hmm. and and maybe not making the World Series as much as you'll regret not getting him and watching him take some team to the World Series, uh, and having to play against him like that. That's going to be the thing because he's going somewhere. You better hope he goes to the National League, but um, he's definitely going to help somebody down the stretch. Well, that last question was Jeff Ryan had actually tweeted. Even if you give up four top prospects for Otani, what are the odds that those players become significant stars? If the Angels are lucky, two could easily be giving them another Vidal Brujan. Anyone who says no is just content on being Gonzaga of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know what the what the percentage is of you know players drafted that make it to the majors, much less become all stars. But I got to believe it's low. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you get fifty percent of those guys become stars, then you know 
you'd feel very good about it. I mean, look, the, the Cardinals gave away Randy Rosarena. Would they do that today? No, of course not. Um, they also had a Douglas Garcia in the same outfield. <laughs> I know. Is that unbelievable? <laughs> Holy cow. Um, but they did it, and, and they got they got bit by it, and, and therefore, you know, their team is not very good. Um, so it can't happen. But um, out of four players, if two of them become – Major league, you know, have have long major league careers, and and one becomes an all star. That you'd you'd be happy with that from the team receiving them. But yeah, I don't think all four are going to be, you know, all stars necessarily. It's just the percentages would tell you, especially if maybe one's a pitcher. You don't know Tommy John and and all that goes on with pitchers these days. So yeah, I I just I, again, you'd have to see what they want, but. There's not many scenarios where, where I would say, well, you know, who's really off the table here? I mean, if you're talking about prospects, now, if you're going to raid the major league, if you're going to say Wander Franco's gone, I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, that sort of thing. But prospects, yeah, I would I would definitely be willing to bet that maybe half of them won't make it to start them anyway. Well, you mentioned Wander Franco. So Bob had emailed a sign and trade deal, Otani for Franco straight up. Where Otani agrees to five to six years at a total of two hundred to two hundred fifty million dollars, maybe throwing a minor league pitcher and a first round or international draft choice. Well, now we're into the fantasy baseball range where that would never happen. And, and well, Otani's so getting more than two hundred to two hundred fifty yeah, over I mean, five to six years. If you years. think about it, okay, just just from a pitching standpoint alone, and and that's just half of what he does. But you know, you got guys like Verlander and. Other guys throughout the major leagues that are making forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Max Scherzer, so he's a forty million dollar player if he just pitches. Now put him in the lineup every day when he's not pitching and he leads baseball in home runs. Well, to me, that's another twenty five million dollars or more, right? If he's if just that player alone is probably a forty million dollar outfielder. Um, so, you know, who knows where this contract's eventually going to go? But sixty doesn't seem out of out of the realm of possibility for a guy like that, because again, it's two players, and not just two players, but two all stars. So I mean, dude throws a hundred on the mound and leads the American League or baseball in home runs. I mean, you know, what's that worth if you could get them both in the same package? So, yeah, I and and I, he the sign and trade would require him to want to be here. He's not coming to Tampa Bay. I mean, he's well, the other part is he's not going to sign and trade. No, he wants he's to be a free going agent. to free agency. Yes, and seeing what's out there. And, Absolutely, and deciding Absolutely. which team. And he may not even take the biggest offer. No, he has said he wants to win. Right, and he has not done any of that in Anaheim. No, for six years now. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he's it's Anaheim, but it's still the LA market. It's still mm-hmm. the second largest media market in the world. Or in the United States in sports, and it it hasn't hasn't given him what he wants, which is to win the big stage. Um, so, yeah, he's not going to get that in Tampa Bay. So it it's a good question, um, but it's so it's so fantasy baseball ish that you know you, it's just not realistic. There's not going to no matter where he goes, like you said, there's not going to be a sign and trade deal here. Um, now, if he were to go to say the Yankees. Um, or someplace, I don't know, who else is in contention, the Atlanta Braves, and he really, really liked it there. Like, you can, you know, wherever he goes, he could be greatly influenced. Oh, I think he could be influenced. I don't think he'll sign before free agency. But he'll he'll still be a free agent. Yeah. 
he'll still talk to everybody. Yes. But you might have a little bit of a home field mm-hmm. advantage in that he's been in the organization, um, been in the city, um, maybe wins with these guys. Yep. So, you, you know, that could be an influence. Bob also uh, added, and he said, as far as throwing in a minor league pitcher in the deal, he says, then yeah. watch Luis Patino prosper on the West Coast when someone tells him, just keep it low and outside, son. And then when they start leaning over the plate, just bust them up high and inside, you know, like Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz did. Yeah, well, if it was that simple, right? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, well, it's what I say. If if it was easy, everybody would do it, and that's that's why so few can do it so well. I mean, Patino certainly had a good arm and has a good arm. Um, I don't know why he hasn't worked out. You know, his command hasn't been what it needs to be. Um, he's had some injuries. Like, you know, some of these guys – I'm curious about, but pitching is not the problem for the Rays right now. Um, but could they go someplace else and thrive? Yeah, that's what the Rays have done with pitchers for forever. So, I mean, I think that you know some of their prospects might do well once they get out there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I tend to think that whether they're in it or not for Otani, it's going to be prospects. Um, and like I said, I think – especially with the way they're playing right now, like what an infusion, you know, what a boost to your clubhouse, what a, what a shot in the arm for the last 60 games or 62 games. Um, and October, it would just be, it's going to be great for somebody. Somebody's going to get them. And, uh, you know, why not, why not you, why not the raise? But that's going to be Anaheim's decision. All right. Michael tweeted us. He asked, what positions do you think the Rays might target at the trade deadline? Well, I mean, I still think they need bullpen help. Um, you know, Jason Adam is done okay. Um, you know, fair Pete Fairbanks when he's not yanking fastballs with guys on third to lose games um, certainly has, you know, 100-mile-an-hour stuff. They To me, they could use another power arm. I mean, again, you're gonna if you get in the postseason, you're going to see the Orioles if you're going to win the American League. And can you match their eighth and ninth inning guys? No. I don't think you can. So it would be great for them to have another strikeout guy. Um, you know, you get an extra innings, and that's when you need them. You need those guys that can get outs, um, strikeouts, you know, without moving the ball and advancing runners and stuff. So and we saw that, you know, we saw that last night. So um, to me, it would be that. And then, I mean, I there's not there's not a – if there was a, a a name power bat, even a DH, I love Luke Rayleigh, and he's had an unbelievable season. He's been a, a huge surprise. Um, you know, Isak Paredes at times. You know, all these guys have, have played above their heads, I think, to some degree. Well, but I, mean, I would you not. Could, you be, could upgrade Rayleigh. You could upgrade Lau. Yeah. You could upgrade I, Paredes. Yeah. You could upgrade Brandon Lau. Yeah. You I could upgrade Bethancourt. You could. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so another bat, a power bat in particular, somebody, you know, somebody to lengthen their lineup if a Rosarena is not going well, you know, because you're, you're leaning an awful lot on him. And, you know, I think that's kind of been the difference during this losing streak is that he's not swinging it. So power bat, back of the bullpen help. I can uh, even see another starter, which helps your bullpen if you can get more length out of guys. It lengthens it, yeah, which is good for you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I you're think right. it depends I mean, on who's available, but. Yeah. 
I mean, I like if all these guys stay healthy. And that's the other thing you don't know if they are because they're not very deep. If they lose another starter, you know, now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're stretching it. But right now, Flem- uh, Fleming is starting to rehab. You're hoping to get Andrew Kitchard back soon. Yeah. So you know, you maybe you have a little more depth, but I still think you're looking to upgrade at those I positions. I, I agree, and you know, and and. Uh, even though even though Brandon Lau actually played a pretty good defensive second base, um, started to to swing a little better bat. I mean, I don't have a problem parting with him. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't trust him in the postseason. And if I could get another infielder that can swing it, I would do it. Uh, or or even just play you know play walls or something. I I don't know. It's tough. It's just I I don't have much faith in that guy. I, he's looked kind of lost. He's been kind of injured. Maybe he'll come around, but he would be somebody that would be on my. Let's see if we can move this dude as part of a package for somebody. But yeah, another another veteran hitter, a guy with you know with postseason experience that's produced. I mean, the one thing they just haven't done when they get to the postseason is hit. And you know, it, the, the more experience you can get with with guys that have been there, um, you're going to need that lineup to come through. And yeah, so yeah, there's there's no position. That I'm not willing to replace somebody, um, other than maybe shortstop and left field. You know, I mean, I think it'd be it, tough to replace first in, in center field. But yeah, well, oh uh, yeah, Diaz obviously. Yeah, he's an all star. And Siri, and, I think, would be tough to replace because defensively well, he's so defensively. Good too. But I'll tell you what about Siri, and he finally made the adjustment in this game last mm-hmm. night. They are throwing him a steady diet of sliders and mm-hmm. breaking balls, mm-hmm. and because he's got a hole in his swing, he's a, he's a dead red fastball hitter. You can't throw a fastball by the kid. And he finally made the adjustment and and shot one to right field late in that game, which was great. But until he learns to to sit back and 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 hammer those pitches or be more selective about them, um, he's an easy out at times in the lineup. Now I know he's got eighteen or nineteen home runs. That's great. Yep. And he does play a hell of a center field. But I don't I don't trust him uh, against better pitching either because I think. Right. But he's also batting eighth and ninth in your order most of the time. Yeah, that's They've moved fine. him up a couple games, but yeah, he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's their center fielder, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I just but don't I'm think not... that's the first position I'm looking to upgrade. No, no, no. Just another. Give me another bat, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I like Luke. I, I mean, but if and Diaz is playing first, I mean, but if you know, if I had to sit one of these other guys, it'd be okay. All right, we'll switch topics here. And Tommy had tweeted us. He says, "What's more likely to happen during the Buck season? Mike Evans gets his tenth one thousand yard season. Rashad White has a thousand yard season, or we have someone with double digit sacks." Well, all I know is that for the last nine, um, you know, like death and taxes, I mean, Mike Evans has put up a thousand yards. So, can he do it ten straight years? Uh, I think so. A lot of it will depend on his health. Um, you know, I think he's probably looking at signing a new contract sometime before training camp is over. That won't be done by the time they get to training camp, but they're both talking about it. It's not that they're very close necessarily, but there's been a lot of discussion about that. And so it'll probably be a three-year deal, maybe with two years, you know, guaranteed, somewhere around $20 million like they did with Godwin. Um, so I would bank on Mike just because he's the most consistent player I've seen at that position 
really ever. And uh, now it's going to be a little tougher because, you know, he doesn't have Brady. But go look at the list of quarterbacks he played with before Brady got here. I mean, Brady, you know, he, he kind of – Evans was willing to take kind of a, a step back and let Gronk and let mm-hmm. Antonio Brown and other guys and even Godwin emerge uh, with more targets. But Mike still got his 1,000 yards. So Rashad White – well, I think I mean, what, what might stand in Mike's way of getting a thousand this year is how much does this team run the ball? Well, that could be part of it, sure. You know, like, I mean, but even when Seattle, he had Jameis, they were they were chucking the ball down the field, right? But Seattle, if you look at what they mm-hmm. did, they had two one thousand yard receivers too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they still managed, and they get chunk plays in a passing game. So yep. you might you might see more uh, a higher average from Mike than you've seen in the past. They are definitely going to run the ball more. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that'll, you know, just just erase his production. I think it would just be different. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's not, you know, look, Brady was throwing it 50-something times a game, and and that wasn't uncommon. You know, for two the last two years, he led the NFL in pass attempts. It was like 726 and 7, what, 50-something or whatever. Um, that's just ridiculous. They're not going to throw it that much, nor should they. But – uh, when Jameis was playing, Mike got more targets than he ever did because Jameis would just drop back and we couldn't find anybody throw it in Mike's direction. And Mike mm-hmm. could, you know, play jump ball with it. But, um, you know, it, I mean, Evans, you just don't get more healthy and more explosive as you as you age in this league. Um, but I think the difference is is that, and Brady was an influence on this, Mike has changed his body. Um, he, he is, you know, done the right things nutritionally he lost a good bit of weight um he he keeps himself in really good shape he's had some hamstring issues that have kind of been chronic with him throughout his career but you know he's a warrior and he'll go out there and play hurt does that often but you know with a 17 game season yeah i'll give him a thousand yards mm-hmm. you know i think he'll get a thousand now rashad I'm, you got to show me man i'm not i'm not completely all in on rashad just yet uh Look, he started the second half of last year, and I'm not putting it all on the running back because Leonard couldn't run it either. But he had one 100-yard game. And it just seems to me that there's a whole lot of expectation on Rashad White. And he does have, I mean, you know, physically he's he's added seven, eight pounds. He's probably about 220, 221. And he can catch his natural hands. Um I don't know what kind of pass protector he'll be, but I got to see more of him. I got to see him be consistent. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I, I saw one, like I said, a hundred yards one time when you start seven or eight games does not say to me that, oh yeah, we're good there. You know, like the expectations there. He thinks he's going to get a thousand. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's impossible, especially as much as they're going to run the ball, but I'm not. I'm not really willing to go all in on that. What was it? What was my, the third well? My biggest them, concern about the running game is, and you mentioned Rashad White had the one 100 yard game. Leonard Fournette couldn't run it either. Nope. Outside of Ryan Jensen's return, what's different about this offensive line that gives you confidence that they can? Well, run the it's ball? I mean, it's schem- it's schematic. It, yeah. It's the same. It's, sure. It is a lot of the same guys. I think Matt Feeler, who came uh, or Feiler, who came from. Uh, uh, the Chargers will help them at guard. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know how good Tristan Wirfs is going to be a left tackle. 
I think he'll figure it out. I think he'll be mm-hmm. fine. I think he'll be we fine. Don't, but we don't know. But your right we tackle is going to be worse than it was last we year. We don't know what – yeah, I mean, you're not going to have an all-pro at right tackle. And, in fact, um, you know, are, are we even sure that Luke uh, Gadecki is going to be that guy? Um, is he going to be able to hold up, you know, every game? And what is what is the future of Ryan Jensen? Uh, I saw him play in the playoff game. Now he was out there. He had three torn knee ligaments. He never had surgery. And, yeah, he got himself back out there, but he didn't play well. You know, anybody that would suggest that he play well is wrong. So I don't even know if he's going to be ready for the start of training camp for, you know, when they get into pads. I mean, first couple of days, he'll be out there in shorts, so what? But is he going to be able to get down there and start hitting people? Um, you know, so there's a question mark, but I think the difference will be schematically. Mm-hmm. They're going to do a lot more outside zone runs. They're going to be more committed to rushing the ball. They'll have more rushing attempts, which helps – um, and you know, I, I do believe that, that, you know, they won't beat their head against the wall, but Canales knows how to run the football. He, he knows, he knew what Seattle was able to do. And I don't think Seattle's offensive line was all that great a year ago either. Um, but they ran the football and mm-hmm. I think, I think they'll do it. I think they'll do it better. But again, if I'm betting Mike Evans, a thousand, Shot white a thousand. There's another double digit sacks. Will anyone get double digits in sacks? Well, they better Um, because you can't have, and I love Vita Vea, but you can't have, you know, your 360 pound defensive tackle lead you in sacks with six and a half. In in the National Football League, you've got to have hopefully multiple guys with double digits, right? Um, Now they they do it a bunch of different ways in this scheme. You You get a lot of blitzing and. You know, we've seen um, Devin White have as many as nine sacks before. But you need some you need some guys off the edge. And that means Joe Tryon Shawinka, who's had four and a half each of the last two years, he has to make a big jump. Um, we'll see, you know, what Shaq Barrett is going to come back with off that Achilles injury. Um, I don't know that we should expect him to be, you know, back into the 19 sacks a year. He hasn't done that in two or three years. But, you know, could he get 10? Yeah. Um Look, most teams should have a guy with 10 sacks. Just should, if he, if he starts enough games. Um, it's not asking too much. But if you ask me, if you pin me down and said, who that guy's going to be, I'm not sure I know. Uh, I really don't. I mean, I, I it should be Joe Tryon uh, or Shaq Barrett. But there's no guarantee of that. And let's see also, too, what Kalijah Kansi brings to this, to this defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that he's going to be a double-digit sack guy per se, but with the pressure and the speed inside – he might create opportunities and run some quarterbacks into sacks on those edges. And that's what happened, you know, when they were really humming back in the day and they beat Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. You had Vita Vea pushing the pocket and Shaq and JPP, you know, ended up with five sacks of Aaron Rodgers. So that's what you need is is all four or five guys rushing rushing as a unit. So Kalijah might make a difference. Um, and maybe he gets 10. I don't know. I mean, people have compared him to Aaron Donald. Um, that's an unfair comparison because he's first ballot Hall of Famer and a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, but he did play at Pitt. He has the same body type. I get the comparisons, but could he go out there and be a Defensive Rookie of the Year and get ten sacks? I mean, he could. I Maybe mean, nice. Um, I'm not saying it's in the cards, um, but I. But this team has not had a guy uh, with ten sacks. Um, what since Shaq Barrett did it a couple of years ago? Uh, even if he did it then. I'm not even sure he did it then. It's been it's been quite a while. So they definitely need to get I mean that that to me 
if you're just going to look at your defense and you say, well, we had to get faster, and they did, uh, particularly on the defensive line, um, the the pressure and the sacks has to go back up. They that that's where they fell down is that um, they did not get the quarterback on the ground. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, we'll wrap up on this tonight. And Chris had, uh, I believe he emailed this. He says, hey, yeah. guys, a huge fan of the show from Connecticut. I listen every day. There you go. My question is about Tampa getting an NBA team. I know that Orlando is close, but do you think something like that would ever happen? And would they use Amelie Arena if it did, or would they get their own place? Well, ever is a long time. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I do think that Orlando is too close to have an NBA team there and in Tampa. Now, Having said that, um, this is the fastest growing community in the United States, or one of them. You know, you tell me in 10 to 15 years how big this place is going to be. I really don't know. Yep. Um, so as Central Florida grows, is it is it, you know, you see migration out of the Northeast, out of, out of the Midwest. Like, is it unrealistic to think that there could be a third NBA team in Florida? No. And if, it, if there was one, you know. There's I mean, three how NFL much, teams in Florida. Right. So how much how much further is Miami from Orlando? And there's two teams there, mm-hmm. right? So put one in the middle. Um, now we're about a, less than 100 miles to Orlando. but So I would never say never because I think this is a very fertile market, again, as the population grows downtown. And, yes, I think initially anyway that Amelie is a perfect venue for, for the NBA or for basketball. Um, those are the kind of hockey arenas that they, they often share – professional teams and hockey mm-hmm. teams and NBA teams play in the same venue. So, you know, you get 19,000 a game, um, or whatever the configuration would be, that'd be perfect. Downtown, um, you know, Venick has put a lot of money in that arena. So I'd love to see it happen. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 to 15 years, but let's see how, how much bigger this area gets. I mean, man, I'm telling you, just in the 20 years or so that I've lived up in North Tampa, I built up here about 20 years ago, which is hard to believe. But, I mean, the way this, and this is way north of Hillsborough, almost to the Pasco line. In Pasco, the way all of that has mushroomed mm-hmm. is incredible. It's incredible. And, like, more and more people every single day move here. So um, there's going to be opportunity and money. And, and, and you know, um, professional sports teams follow where the population is and where the fervor is. And so uh, I don't think it's out of the question. I, I don't... I'd be surprised if it's going to happen anytime soon. But I, say, I don't I would, know if this area has enough corporate support to yeah, support four professional teams at probably the highest not. levels. Yeah. Yet. And not I say yet. yet you know, mm-hmm. the population is definitely migrating this way. Now it right. needs the corporate businesses to move headquarters, more of them to move headquarters here. Right. To support these teams, sponsorships, suites. You know, naming rights, all that stuff that goes as part of the corporate sponsorship of teams. Yes. But those corporations will eventually follow the people, you know, mm-hmm. and 
Um, I, I actually think it would be more likely that they would get an MLS team before an NBA yeah. team. Although there's one in Orlando as well. So Yeah. And Miami. Um yeah. I mean this is this has been a pretty they, Tampa Bay has a pretty solid hockey uh background going all the way back to the original rowdies. I mean soccer. Um, soccer. What did I say? Hockey? Yeah. Soccer. They have a hockey background too, but soccer. Um, you know, going all the way back to the Rodney Marsh rowdies and stuff like that. But so it's a it's a hotbed for soccer as far as youth soccer goes and college and all that. Um that probably would happen quicker. Um but you know, look, I, I'll never forget this, and this is why I never say never, is that if you'd have told me that Tampa Bay would get a hockey team before baseball, I'd have bet you any amount of money. I mean, when Phil Esposito managed to talk his way into an expansion <laughs> club, it surprised the hell out of everybody, and mostly me. And it was the early 90s, and I was just like, wait, what? We got a hockey team, what? Because all the pursuit was baseball, baseball, baseball. So, you know, that's just an example of sometimes you're not, necessarily focused on it but yeah could it happen sure well a shame um, a shameless plug if you want to hear phil talk about some of those stories yeah from 30 years ago uh the tampa great. bay lightning put out a it's a podcast but it's also a video so you can get it in your favorite podcast app or you can go to the lightning's youtube channel it's called lightning lore oh it's uh, paul kennedy sat down for two hours with oh, phil esposito God. and henry paul and telling those stories of what happened 30 years ago and and how they got the franchise and some of the hurdles they had to overcome, including some of their partners then trying to take over the bid from them and and side deals to cut them out of certain things. And, you know, it, it's 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 really incredible how they got the deal done here and mm-hmm. and that Phil was able to find the money at the last minute when he didn't have the money and needed it. Didn't have and it. He still no. found it. and. It's it's absolutely incredible. Uh, it was two hours of, of uh, they were at Bernini's in Ybor City. It was oh, Paul wow. Kennedy with Henry Paul and Phyllis Bazito, and it's fantastic stuff. So if if you ha- if you want to hear those stories and kind of know how it happened, uh, a, sh- a selfless plug. I was there helping tape it and, and oh, wow. edit it and stuff. So it was fantastic. So if you haven't listened well, to it or watched it, I would encourage you to. He's told this story a million times. It's still one of my favorite stories. Is that you know when they finally got the team and their first game was going to be at the fairgrounds and nobody knew hockey. Um, in this area or not mm-hmm. enough people and they had they had their arena staff and different people that they were you know getting ready to have opening night and all of that and they told them now you know people can't throw things on the ice it's very dangerous right like so mm-hmm. you know if you see anybody doing that even if it's a coin or whatever they, you know they, they got to be removed so you know they just wanted to make sure the players were protected or whatnot um, so I think it was was it Contos? Contos, yeah, game? had a hat trick. He scored four goals. He actually. scored four goals in the first the first game, and so after his third goal, the astute hockey fans started throwing hats on the. No, arena. it was like one guy threw a hat on the ice. Oh, was it one guy? <laughs> it may have been just one. It may have been a couple, but it wasn't many. Well, all I remember is that <laughs> yeah. is when I heard Phil tell the story, he said immediately one of the ushers or somebody started to eject the guy and remove him from the from the old uh, fairgrounds, and and Phil had to go up and say, no, 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 it's okay, that's. That's what you do when somebody scores a hat trick. Like they didn't know, you know. You told them not to put anything on the yeah. ice. And the but... security guy goes, "What's a hat trick?" <laughs> exactly. It's just, he tells it so well, but it's such a good story. So yeah, how yeah. about that, Chris Contos? The stuff that they had to overcome. I mean, you know, even Expo Hall. So the rink is supposed to be, you know, two hundred feet long, mm-hmm. and so the NHL comes in to see Expo Hall, and obviously there's no rink down there. 
Mm. So he's, you know, pushed the seats back on the ends to make it 200 feet. And they're like, you sure you can get, you know, 10,000 people in? Because they had 10,000 people in there. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the current configure to push those seats back, it was only like 9,000 or 9,400, whatever it was. And, you know, he's, oh, yeah, yeah, we can get, get 10,000 in there. No problem, no problem, no problem. <laughs> as soon as the NHL, he said, like, they weren't, hadn't even taken off yet, and they put the seats back to make it 10,400, and the rink was only 185 feet long, and that was what they went with. <laughs> Because they That's needed funny. ten thousand seats. That's what the NHL required in that. So they they played with a shorter rink. But apparently back then, lots of teams had shorter rinks than two hundred feet. So it wasn't like oh really it wasn't like it wasn't done before. But you know, so he they actually lied played, his way out of it. <laughs> they played a game like that. They played the whole season. The whole the, season. Yeah, wow. yeah. But apparently back then, lots of teams had that. So that's crazy. Yeah, I never saw a game there. Um, and then they moved to uh, what was then the Thunderdome with mm-hmm. the Trop. Yep. Uh, broke a broke an NHL record for playoff attendance at about forty thousand one night. Still the record. Still the record. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the story of the Lightning is really incredible. It really is. And what a franchise um, and how they got it and all the different owners, Kokosai Green, the Japanese company, and all this stuff. Well, Phil tells the story too that you know when he found them, you know, and he he said it was funny because every time I we talked to them, we'd say hockey, they go Saki. <laughs> he was. I don't think they knew what they were investing in. <laughs> yeah, right. He just kept raising glasses. After a while, they they put the check down. Yeah. Uh, I thought you said Saki. Well, however he did it, God bless him. He got it done. So yeah, check that podcast out. So what do we got? Does that wrap it up for the mailbag? Or? Yeah, that's, yeah, and that wraps okay. it up for the week. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize for my voice and my nasally uh, uh, pronouncements here. I've got I'm a little bit under the weather, as they say. Don't ever get on an airplane for ten hours because. You're bound to catch something, but I'm going back to the mask. I swear to God, I'm the and I'm the guy. I'm always the guy that gets sick. I can't explain it. My whole family's okay. Um, the wife I thought was getting sick, and now she's fine. But you know, I need to uh, I need to rest up because rest up because camp starts Monday. It starts well. Start the rookies come rookies in Monday, Monday and yeah. then yeah, and then and then uh, the veterans on Tuesday. So I yeah, I don't have much time. But anyway, we'll be back next week to talk about that. Talk about the race series that continues against the first place Baltimore Orioles sounds weird uh, but we'll be, we'll be uh, talking all about that in the start of training camp as well thanks for listening all week long for Steve Versnick I'm Rick Stroud the Tampa Bay Times have a great day everybody